Alrighty, church, if you have your Bibles, let's open those up to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to be taking a look at the entire chapter this morning. Uh, my goal, Lord willing, is to bring uh, the book study of Ecclesiastes uh, close uh, next week so that we can have this uh, book wrapped up before the Advent season begins. And so that is my Thanksgiving gift to you. You can be thankful if this has been um, a difficult book for you to walk through with us, then you can be thankful that uh, we will be wrapping this up next week. Um, hopefully, uh, that will mean that we can start something fresh at the beginning of 2023. Right now, uh, I'm currently thinking that we're going to spend some time in the epistles uh, throughout 2023. So uh, the, the epistles are the letters that Paul and others uh, wrote to different churches throughout uh, uh, the New Testament world. So if you're looking for those, you can find them after the book of Acts. Uh, but we will begin looking at a few of those. Uh, but to get there, we have to go through uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, where we're going to find two primary themes this week. Uh, the first theme is going to be to work hard, even though uh, we don't know. There's much that we don't know. There's much that we don't understand about this life. Uh, but even though we don't know and understand much, we still need to be working hard. Uh, the second is that we should also enjoy our lives, especially when we are young, uh, because there are hard days ahead and uh, those young days are fleeting. And so you should enjoy it while you have that opportunity. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want to pray for our time in the Word. So if you would pray with me. Father, we're grateful that in your word you speak to us in ways that can transform our lives. If we will listen and if we will obey what we find in your word, we will live a life that is honoring and glorifying to you. We will find ourselves um, dwelling in wisdom. And Lord, I pray that we would be pushing folly away from us every single day, Lord, as we're working through Ecclesiastes, that we would realize that everything that this world has to offer uh, is vanity. It's like chasing the wind. And so we would be mindful of that as we go throughout our life, as we work, as we play, uh, as we go uh, in our relationships every single day. I pray that we would understand and live according to the fact that you are uh, above all things, that you are the best that we can pursue and I pray that we would live a life that shows we realize that and that much will be made in your name uh, for your kingdom through our efforts. Lord, it's in your son's precious name that I pray. Amen. So this passage breaks down into two sections. We've got verses 1 to 6, which is where Solomon is reminding us again. This has been a refrain throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but we don't know everything that we would like to know. Life is very unpredictable uh, due to our limited abilities as human beings, right? There are certain patterns that we can see 
and live according to things like you know the water cycle, things like uh, our seasons, planting times, harvests. Um, but we, we can't control any of those things. We can't make it rain, right? We can't make the seasons come when we want them to. Um, so we have no control over it, even though these things exist. So all we can do really is we can gain knowledge by focusing on these things to see that these seasons exist. Uh, and so we can live wisely from that knowledge that we've gained. So we, we know that this is how the water cycle works. We know this is how, how to best harvest because we've you know, done guess and check until we realize this is the best time to plant. This is the best time to, to harvest our, our food. And so if we do these things based on the knowledge that we have, if we act wisely, uh, there are some, some results that we can expect based on how this has played out. But unfortunately, there's no guarantee uh, that any of this stuff will turn out the way that we want it to. Right, so we just have no control over that. And in verses 7 to 10, Solomon's going to encourage uh, young people to enjoy their youth because hard times are coming and those days are going to pass quickly. Right, so if that's the case, then how should we live? If we, if we know that you know, we can't control things, but yet there is still work to be done, how, how should we live in, in, in light of that fact? So Solomon's going to give us help with that in verses 1 to 6. Uh, beginning in verses 1 and 2, Solomon gives us advice on how we should be investing. All right, so sometimes you, you hear people talk about the Old Testament, they're like, it's never, it never applies to my life. Well, I mean, do you invest in anything in your life? If so, then Solomon's going to give you a little bit of advice on how best to handle that. In Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 and 2, Solomon says, "...send your bread on the surface of the water." For after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. And, and when I first read this, I admit I had no idea what floating bread had to do with anything. Uh, and why should we be interested in soggy bread that's been floating around in the water for several days and has caught a current and has come back to us? So I, I, mean, I didn't know what to do with this at all. After doing some studying, uh, I found that verses 1 and 2 confuse smart people too. So I felt okay, you know, that I didn't know it because there's a ton of smart people that really didn't fully understand. Uh, so they didn't know exactly what to do with it. But the general consensus here is that Solomon is talking about uh, not about throwing literal bread out on the water. He's not feeding ducks or the fish, right? Um, this reference is most likely meant to point us to the idea of a merchant, someone who makes bread, someone who processes grain. And the idea here is that they're sending the grain out on boats. So I don't know what brand of bread you buy, Sara Lee, Merida, like whatever your, whatever your go-to, cobblestone, whatever you buy. This idea is that uh, these people should be harvesting their grain, they should be making their bread, and they should be sending that out in order to make a profit. And if they do that, if they're faithful to do that, a few days later, the profit comes back. So we're not talking about soggy bread, we're talking about money coming back in a few days later. And so Solomon's advice, uh, even though you don't know what might happen when you send those boats out, uh, you need to invest in something. 
Right? You need to be doing something to bring money into your life. And you invest it now, and then you wait. You trust in the Lord. You wait for the returns. But he says in verse 2, don't put all of that investment on one boat. Right? We might say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right? That's, that tends to be how we say that. But he's saying here, don't put all of your investment on one boat because you don't know what might happen to that one boat. Because you don't know what might happen. It is wise to divide that investment out onto multiple boats. Right? If you put it all on one boat, it hits a reef or there's a major storm and that boat sinks, you're ruined. You have nothing else to count on because you put everything on that one boat. So in modern language, we might mention this as diversifying your portfolio. Right? I don't know if you are investment people, uh, but a, a diverse portfolio is this idea that you're putting your money towards businesses that spread out over uh, a wide range of usefulness. Right? So if it's high in one area, it might be low in another and vice versa. But if you put all of your investment in one company and that company goes bankrupt, then you've lost it all. Right? So let's say maybe you're not investors. Maybe you're these people that just you've bankrolled a whole lot of cash and you've got that in the bank. Well, diversifying your banks might be a good idea for you, right? The, the federal government will insure a certain amount of money in each bank. And once you get above that, if the bank goes under, you're out of the money. And so maybe this means you just separate that money. You put it in different banks, right? Maybe you're the type of person that just puts it in jars and buries it in the backyard. Well, maybe you should diversify the jars that you use. Put it in several jars in case you forget where one of those jars is. All right, so you put it in several jars and bury it in the backyard. Whatever you do, however you uh, take your, the extra money that the Lord has given you, however you invest that, you need to have a plan in case there is some kind of a tragic event that comes through and wipes out everything. All right, so if you diversify that portfolio, you are preparing yourself for uh, the rainy day, right? You don't know if you're going to be working your entire life, but if you diversify that, you're less likely to take a tragic hit if something happens. And this is what Solomon is talking about here, right? And, and speaking of working hard, Solomon also speaks to us in chapter 11 about our work habits. We're going to see that in verses 3 to 6. Look at that with me. Solomon says, If the clouds are full... They will, they will pour out rain on the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or the north. The place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. And in these verses, we have advice, or, or maybe a warning, it could be taken as a warning, depending on how you think about it, uh, about our tendency to overthink, which often leads us to inaction. All right, here he's using farming in, uh, imagery. Uh, to tell his readers to do work when there is work to be done. Right? Don't spend your whole life 
waiting for the perfect time to strike. Right? We might think about it looking for the perfect job. Right? The job that is going to pay all my bills. The job that is going to fulfill me in some way, shape, or form. You just wait around until that perfect job shows up. Well, the problem is you still need money. Right? You need to do something. and So find any job and do that and maybe while you wait on your dream job. Just do something. So what Solomon is talking about here is he's speaking out against inaction. Right? As, as a pastor, I have found... Uh, an interesting uh, trend in a lot of people, and especially in younger folks, so maybe pay attention here, uh, where they find themselves so caught up in this idea of doing God's will. I want to do God's will for my life. I, I I don't want to take a path that God is not leading me down. And so what they will do is they will ponder this idea of God's will uh, and it comes from a good place they're looking to be obedient to the Lord they're looking uh, to bring him as much honor and glory as they can with that mindset but the problem comes when the desire to honor God and bring him glory leads to paralysis all right people are so worried about doing the wrong thing that they just don't do anything at all right you've got a toss-up is it do I do I do this job or do I do this job? Which one is it, it in God's will? Which one should I do? Should I buy this house or should I buy this house? Which one should I buy? What is God's will for my life? Do I marry this person or is the one out there somewhere? Right? What is God's will for my life? Well, let me just break this down really clear for you. God's will for your life is very simple. God's will for your life is to bring him honor and glory in all that you do period. Right? Paul says in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. In Colossians 3, Paul again says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul again, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? So sometimes what God wants you to do is very clear and it's very specifically called out for you. For example, pastoral ministry was not on my radar at all i had no plans of going into pastoral ministry and yet i felt god put a specific call on my life to go into pastoral ministry right you may have something like that in your life god may very specifically say you specifically need to take this job you specifically need to move to this place you specifically need to go into ministry or do something else Right? You may get that sense. But other times, and probably more often, I would think, what we normally do is we simply need to exist in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Right? We, we pick whichever job we want. Like God is not saying it is sinful for you to pick this job over this job. But what we do, we need to pick it as long as it brings honor and glory to God. Right? So if one job is going to be 
in a, a bring like drug dealer, right? Should I be a drug dealer or should I be a banker? Well, obviously one of those doesn't bring honor and glory to God, right? Bankers are crooks. We shouldn't do that. <laughs> obviously it's a joke, right? But we don't do things that bring that we know for a fact go against God's law and his nature, right? If if we've got a job that is going to pay us through the roof, right? We're going to make a ton of money, but it means that we sacrifice uh, our time with our family. It means we sacrifice our time with the church, right? Maybe that job's not the best job when you can find one that pays a little bit less, but gives you time to have uh, a kingdom mindset, right? So sometimes it's not between God's will and sin, but maybe better or best for our life. But we are free to choose in many of those instances as long as we do what we do to the glory of God. In these verses, in verses 3 to 6, Solomon reminds us that there is much in this life that we cannot control. Right in verse 3, he says, If the clouds are full, then it will rain, which seems reasonable, right? I mean, yes, we would agree with that. Uh, and from that, we can infer the opposite as well. So if the clouds aren't full, then it won't rain, right? How much of that can you control? 0.0%. You have no control of whether the clouds are full. You have no control over whether the clouds are empty. You can't control the rain, but you can control whether you are putting your seeds in the ground in case it does rain. That is completely within your control. Right, so do your work. Do what God has called you to do. Right? Then he mentions a tree falling in the woods. If the tree falls to the south or to the north, there it's going to lie. Right? Can you control what direction the tree falls? No. You have no control over the direction that the tree goes down. You have no control over random falling trees in the woods. Right? When it falls, there it lies. You can't do anything about that. So what can you control? The work that needs to be done. You have control over that. Verse 4, Solomon says that the one who is watching the wind will not sow. The one who is looking at the clouds will not reap. So if you're sitting around watching the wind, what are you not doing? You're not putting the seeds in the ground. Right, if you're sitting around and you're watching the clouds, what are you not doing? You're not bringing in the harvest, right? So now there is wisdom in thinking about these things before you do them, right? It's not a good idea to plant seeds in the wintertime, right? We understand that. There are seasons for these things, and it's good for us to ponder these seasons. Each plant grows better in a certain environment. I remember there was, we, we had gone to a pumpkin patch for one of the kids. They had, were in play school. We had gone to a pumpkin patch, and they were talking about a strawberry harvest that had been ruined because it was excessively rainy that year. And they lost thousands upon thousands of dollars because their entire crop, really, of their strawberries had been wiped out for like two weeks of solid rain. And so we need to think about that. It's not a good idea to plant your strawberry crop in, in the rainy season. Right, so we do need to think about that. So Solomon is not suggesting that any of this should be done without thought at all. He's just saying don't overthink it. Right, Because there is much in life that you don't know and that you cannot control. That's the point of verse 5. He says you don't know which way the wind is going to blow. He says, you don't know how bones develop in the womb. Only God understands all of this. 
So you will never understand every single variable in a situation. And because of that, go with the information that you have and get something done. If you wait around until you know it all, then you will never do anything. And along with that, do as much as you can because you don't know which part of your work is going to have the best impact. Right? Will this field or that field produce the best harvest? Well, Solomon says, plant them both and see what happens. Which plant is going to develop best? Who knows? Plant several and see which one grows the best. Right? You might get the the best of both worlds, both fields might reap a big harvest. All those plants might come in well. So just throw it out there and do the best that you can. That's what Solomon's saying in verse 6. Work hard because you don't know what's going to happen. Some of your efforts will be extremely successful. Some, not as successful. Right? But because of that, know that you need, there's work to be done and don't let the fact that you don't know it all, don't let that paralyze you. Don't let that keep you from doing the work that is very clear. Like if you want to do God's will for your life, the scriptures are very clear. Love God and love, love each other. As long as you are doing that, you are within God's will. Right? Do what God has put before you to do. And after this, Solomon turns to this idea of enjoying life while you are young in verses 7 to 10. This is something that Solomon has mentioned several times about enjoying life. This time he's specifically telling those who are young to enjoy life. In verse 7, he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. So, verses 1 to 6, Solomon is telling to invest well, work hard throughout your life, but here he's pointing specifically to the young. He's saying that you should enjoy your youth because you will ine inevitably face difficulties in your life and you will inevitably grow old. Something to look forward to. All right? So live it up while you can is basically what he's saying here. In verses 9 and 10, Solomon encourages young people to pursue joy. Pursue after the things that are going to make you happy. He says that this is done by following the lead of the heart and the eyes. All right, so Solomon is the wisest person on the planet, but this is very dangerous advice. Right? So the Bible has a lot to say about the dangers of following the eyes and the heart. Right? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. And so it's going to deceive you and there's nothing you can do about it. Who can understand it? Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So it's dangerous 
to follow advice from Solomon, this advice, if we're not careful. If we don't think well about our heart, if we don't think well about our eyes, then we can take this and go completely the wrong way from what even Solomon is trying to tell us. He isn't saying that we need to have a hedonistic lifestyle where we live for nothing but our own pleasure. That's not what he's talking about here. right? Uh, at the end of verse 9, he reminds us that God brings judgment on all that we do. Every single thing that we do gets weighed in this category that God is going to say either that was righteous or that was sinful. Uh, Romans 2, verses 5 through 8, Paul says, Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and, honor and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. In Jeremiah 17, verse 10, the Lord says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So, Solomon says here, follow your heart. Do what will bring you joy. But know that if what brings you happiness veers you away from his law, there are going to be consequences and judgment that come with that. So this is not just a blanket statement to, to follow your heart. That's terrible advice. Right? It's, not, it's not telling you just to follow your dreams because your dreams may be against God's will for your life. Right? It might lead you into something that is going to bring uh, death and condemnation to you because of the way that that is structured. So do not necessarily follow your heart with all that you have and do. It has to be something that is going to bring honor and glory to God. Uh, so there are going to be consequences and judgment if we do things that do not line up with God's law. And lastly, there Solomon tells the young to cast off sorrow and pain and to get after this pursuit because their youth is fleeting. I was having a conversation with Levi yesterday. He, he asked me how old I was. And uh, I told him, you know, I'm 41. And he goes, and he's seven. And he says, it won't be long until I'm 41. So homeschooling is going great, guys, by the way. So um, math, math, is, math is going really well. Um, and so I thought about that, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Right? He's young. He is full of life, full of joy, full of happiness. He has a lot of bumps and bruises uh, down the road that will come for him inevitably. Uh, but he needs to enjoy this time in his life as, as well as the, all the other kids because this is not going to be, it's not going to be long until, right, they're driving. It won't be long until they've graduated high school and are going to college, maybe if that's the choice that they choose. It won't be long until they're starting a job. It won't be long until they have a family, Lord willing, of course. I mean, it's It's crazy to think about just how quickly they are growing up. And that is the case for all of us. Like Our youth is fleeting. It goes by so fast. And it must be nice. We have this permission from 
the wisest person on the planet, the permission from the Lord to enjoy that youth. Do what brings you joy. Do, do what brings you happiness. But make sure it is honoring and glorifying to God in that same process. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful that it is very practical for the life that we lead. Where sometimes that word is less clear than others. But I'm grateful that there are those who have been able to make it uh, understandable for us so that we know that we should invest well in all that you have given us. Or that we should do something. You have called us to work. Work is not uh, a result of the fall. And so Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that desire to serve and to strive to bring uh, value to this life on what we do. So help us to avoid the paralysis that not knowing can bring into our life. Help us to understand that your greatest desire for us is to bring you honor and glory in all that we do. And Lord, I pray that we would also be mindful of the youth of those in this church and that we would be encouraging them to, to seek out uh, joy, to seek out uh, happiness, to seek out what uh, you have put on their heart to do as long as it brings you honor and glory. Help us to be encouraging even to those who, uh, whose youth has passed us by, to uh, those who are more seasoned and maybe uh, needing to uh, revitalize some of that joyfulness that we found in our youth. Help us to uh, be mindful of that and, and to encourage one another as we go from this place here today. We love you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.